Hey everybody, before we start the podcast, we have an announcement to make. Special announcement. Exciting. We will be entertainment guests at Anime Houston. One of our favorites, Anime Houston. Anime Houston happens September 22nd through 24th at the Houston Marriott West Chase. In case you didn't figure that out, that means it's taking place in Houston, Texas. Yes, we will be there. We're going to be doing panels and running around and bumping fists and causing smiles. Shaking hands by special request, but yes, bumping yes. fists and causing smiles. And if you want to dance with us, we will probably be at the rave. Because <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We will see you at Anime Houston. See you there. Please listen carefully. And now, live from a saloon in Valentine, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast. Featuring two cowpokes and their posse. Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast we continue Build a Posse. Pew, pew, pew. We're building a posse. That's right, partner, we are. We're putting we them are. together. We're coming close to the end. I think we only might have one more after this. I think that's it. But um, we got a pretty good posse going. For those of you who don't know, we've been building our ultimate posse to go find them outlaws and take care of them. Yes. There's a bounty. Or other posses. We haven't really said outlaws. We have yeah, sort of, it's I been mean, on the loose premise that we're good posses. Yeah, but also, you know, maybe not. It's almost like we're building a Red Dead, the ultimate Red Dead team. Yes. And a lot of for Red Dead Redemption fans yeah. out there. And if we knew that many people that were into Red Dead, we could probably have a role play evening with our posse. You just have to play as the named, you know, avatar. Mm -hmm. I got to be Lottie Deno. <laughs> so far, we've uh, picked our gunslinger, our tracker, our doctor, our gambler, our soldier, and our preacher. That's true. Go back and listen. You'll figure one of those all now. We'll, we'll go on the end. We'll go over it again. Yes. But today we're picking a very interesting category, the soiled dove. Yes. An interesting category, but a trope. And also known as the sporting girls. <laughs> Did you know that? I found all kinds of crazy like. Yeah. There's all kinds of euphemisms for them. Yeah, the boss madams and all so that. So you're not yeah, using the, the WH word. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, it is a unique thing to Westerns, I think. Like, it does show up in other media now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this is comes from Western serials. Like for sure. Where this trope... It's like the only women in the Old West were... Sporting girls in the wild parts of the Old West. And because, like, it's clever in the books. It's, like, points to the authors for being, like, you know, women of this time don't have much agency. So in order to for them to have agency, you got to make them left of center. You got to taint them a little bit. You got to soil mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. them doves. And so that's where I think that's where we get the soil done from. It's oh, just yeah. so you can have a better female character, but she's by very nature in that time, she's got to break some rules. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Mikey, flip a coin and see who goes first. Oh, it was you again. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to shoot it out of the sky. <laughs> I'm going to say holes. I go first. <laughs> Putting holes in quarters. They still work, though. Yeah. And you can put the string through it and put it in the arcade machine. I mean, no, hypothetically. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going first. Third picks is usually where we start. Mm -hmm. You know, get up to where we actually pick the person. Yeah. 
I thought I would have a hard, I had a hard time like with immediate recall of right. people. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Soil Dove is, and then I had no default mm-hmm. avatar. So I was like, okay, I got to spend right. a little time with this one. Though there is a movie called Soil Dove. Did you come across that? I did not. I don't know anything about it. I just. Is wanna... it like a female Young Guns? Is it like a. I think so. But I, it's, I, it's not. It's a newer movie, and oh, okay. it didn't seem like it was anyone famous in it. Hey, I was afraid to click on it because I was afraid things might happen. <laughs> but if it's a gang of badass female gunslingers, I, that might be up my alley. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe it's too much of a good thing. We have to find out. <laughs> but yeah, so I had to do some digging. But once I did, I realized, oh yeah, there's a lot of cool things in here. Mm-hmm. But of course, third picks, I like going a little, like where my train of thought tangents, I'm like, oh, that's a fun third pick. And so my third pick is, her name is Abby, and she's played by an actress named Molly Dunsworth, and she's in a movie called Hobo with a Shotgun. <laughs> what? I don't know any of these. What? <laughs> you know all the words, but the sentence is a little confusing. Yeah, I, get I know it. all the words. Okay, so not a Western per se. Hobo all... with a Shotgun? Yes. Uh, so this... Hobo with a Shotgun is a movie that they made based off of a fake trailer that was made for Grindhouse. Oh. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Did a double feature. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez did, Quentin Tarantino did a Death Trap. Mm-hmm. And then Robert Rodriguez did Planet Terror. Yes. And then in between they made, uh, they had friends make two just funny trailers. Mm-hmm. Like, think Grindhouse, make us a two minute trailer. And one was Hobo with a Shotgun. And it's like, and it's Rudger Hauer, you know, <laughs> from Blade Runner. But he shows up and he's like, I'm a okay, pit- I remember this now. He's like, I'm a, I'm a mad hobo when I got a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, he starts yeah. blasting people. I remember this now. People love the trailer so much that they made a movie out of I it. I didn't know that happened. So, yes. And that's kind of why I'm bringing it up as third pick to oh, highlight wow. this movie. Uh, fair warning, it is super grindhouse. So they took, they knew that going in. It's like, <laughs> oh, people just like this premise, then we'll just go nuts with it. There are no rules. It is an... It is a dystopian America, so it might as well be a Wild West movie. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be future Wild West, mm-hmm. Fallout Wild West. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can get behind it. But uh, the premise is a hobo goes around with a shotgun, sort of walking tall style, fixing the problems of. Um, it's called Hope City, but when you in the start of the movie you drive by the sign and it says "Welcome to Hope City," but it's scrawled over with graffiti that says "Scum City." So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now the movie takes place in Scum City, Ah. and he goes around righting the wrongs of Scum City. Ah. Uh, but he's a hobo, so he, you know, he's a, a lone ranger. He's a, a nomad. Mm-hmm. So whenever somebody gets the best of him, he has nobody to depend on until Abby comes along. Ah. And she's the mysterious. We don't know if her name is really Abby. Mm-hmm. She's from out of town. She's here to make, trying to make things of herself. But it's Scum City, so the best way she can think of to make use of herself is to make use of herself. Right? Ah, yes. She becomes a woman of the night. Mm-hmm. But she has the heart of gold. She realizes what the hobo is trying to do and decides to aid him, like much against his, like, I don't need anybody's help because he's an angry hobo. He's like, ah, leave me alone. <laughs> but Abby's like, no, I got you. And then, like, watch the movie because it's awesome. There's gore, splatters, kills. It's great. But without giving too much away, Abby becomes a key to the whole hobo ethos. And she, she rocks it. Mm-hmm. Just go watch that movie and then be like, oh, yeah, that's a good soiled dove. Yeah. And it was a good use of that character in a non Western, still kind of Western, though. Yeah. Because there are no rules in Scum City. <laughs> Hashtag no rules in Scum City. Yeah, but it came out in 2011. So it kind of came and went. Most people missed it. Yeah, I missed it. I didn't even know that existed. Labeled on IMDb as an exploitation black comedy action film. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. We, we like all those descriptors, you know. I know, it's so funny. <laughs> Don't label my moves. What are all the words that we can put on this? Yeah. My first pick is from a Western, and it is from, I I mean, it won so many Academy Awards, I think one of the bestest Westerns. <laughs> and it immediately came to mind, Soil Dove, there's multiple in this movie, but the one that came to mind is the leader of them, a very, very feisty older lady known as Strawberry Alice. What a great name. From the movie Unforgiven, played by the great Francis Fisher, who's one of the great character actors on the female side of things. When you see Francis Fisher, you're like, you know who that is. But if you haven't seen Unforgiven, where have you been? (laughs) It's kind of like a Clint Eastwood's almost high watermark because he wrote it, directed it, starred in it. Oh, absolutely. And the trifecta, which I think he nailed on all fronts. Yeah. I mean, he got an Academy Award um, for directing. I think that... Did I, he win multiple awards for different roles in that year? Do we know? I, I think that... I think this got multiple Academy Awards. I got... I think got directing... No, I think it might have got Best Picture. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I so. I think it got like editing or cinematography. I'm pretty sure this is where Gene Hackman won his Academy Award. Oh, um, and you get an awesome Gene Hackman here. For playing Little Bill. Yeah. He's not little, though. Why, why, why do they always do that for yeah. little guys and tinies? And, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but also why? But I just wanted to talk about Unforgiven, really. But, you know, Strawberry Alice, is, she's kind of the, she's not a, the main character, of course, is Clint Eastwood's character. But none of this would have happened if it wasn't for Strawberry Alice getting so mad yes. that the way they're being treated they're in this town called Big Whiskey, Wyoming, <laughs> and uh, welcome to Big Whiskey. And uh, Quick Mike and Davy Bunting are being entertained, and Quick Mike gets a little too drunk and cuts one of the girls up. Oh like, no! Really brutally, yes. I must say. And Strawberry Alice is like, "All right, I know what we are, but we don't need to be treated that badly. I'm not going to take this anymore." She gets really mad when she tells Little Bill what went on, and Little Bill basically is like. Makes literally a horse trade. Yes, for for like that, like they literally give horses to, to settle the settle to accounts. settle the, to settle account. And Skinny, who runs the saloon, you know, is like, <laughs> "You damaged my property." And he's like, "Well, here's a bunch of horses." He's like, "All right, we're even." And Strawberry Alice is like, "We ain't even. She's all cut up. This is injustice." Yes. So they have a whole bunch of money because of what they do. And uh, they gather it up, and they put a, a bounty out for a Quick Mike and Davey. And, uh, you want something done right, you do it yourself, and you take all your money, and you put out a bounty. I love yeah. it. And um, the old the Schofield kid sees that money, but he needs some help because he's a fake guy. <laughs> <laughs> I kill five men. No, nah, I actually only hit one man with a shovel. <laughs> uh, but he goes and seeks out old William Money, who's apparently one of the greatest shots in the West who's retired and is a pig farmer now and is too old for this stuff. That's it. He's going to come out of retirement. Those names. Grab his buddy Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Oh, Morgan Freeman. He has, there's some iconic scenes with him, specifically him that are stuck in my brain forever. Unforgiven. But, but those names, those setups, like uh, that's, it has so much stuff in it that like, I'll never forget. This Mm -hmm. is like a movie is like, there are certain movies that are so good. That I've probably seen it maybe just a handful of times. I haven't seen it tons and tons and tons. Mm-hmm. But there's just stuff that's embedded in your head. 
because there's so much good character stuff going on. Like, like little Bill can't build his house right, and <laughs> what are you and, doing, little Bill? Right, and you got English Bob, and there's the whole, the, you know, there's the the dime store novel, not dime store. What is it called? The Pulp Fiction guy. That's like a novelist. The dime novelist, pulp, yeah, pulp novelist, yeah, yellow papers. Who's going around and it has that whole bit about like most people miss when they shoot. Oh yeah, so that's why he's like you know he's everyone's you no know, people aren't used to shooting a man. And like the trope you mentioned that like people are going around just claiming things because it's the wild west and there really are no rules. You yeah, know? like nobody, there's no fact checking. There's no online two factor verification. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you kill five people, okay. Yeah. You look like you did, so I guess that counts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Strawberry Alice is great. Uh, Frances Fisher plays this great. She's feisty. She stands up to all the men. Yes. She's the ringleader who puts together this bounty, which, um, spoiler alert, in the end, the, they all get their freedom because everybody gets killed. Yes. But that's the Wild West. I mean, if you didn't see that coming, yeah. you, you don't know you don't know where you're hanging out in. Mm-hmm. Oh, but no, great! And from from the producer box, we do have uh, Unforgiven won Best Picture and right. Director, right? Okay, but was only nominated for actor, so he didn't get that right. three peat. Mm-hmm. Still got the nomination, though. right? He also won for Million Dollar Baby. So yeah. shout out to you, Clint Eastwood. You, you rocked it. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is an interesting character. He's a very interesting character in Hollywood, and he never has to open his eyes. Talk about an easy gig. I know. It's like I'm sleeping. <laughs> I just uh, I just saw the Mule as well. I don't know what that is. What's That's the Mule? One of his latest movies. Oh, okay. Where is it a drug mule or a mule mule? Yeah, it's a drug mule. Mule-y. It's based on a, it's based on a true story okay. of the cartels using an old man, an old white man, ah. to mule because they never get pulled over at all. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so yeah, it's based on a true story. It's, Does Clint Eastwood play the mule? Yes, he's playing some ah. a ninety year old guy who's um, muling for the cartels. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, I found it fun. And I get that that's a thing, like that's Hitchcock, you know, put yourself in your own property. That's why right. you make it. It's like my story, you know, I yeah. know how it should look. But like, you know, maybe at a certain point it's like, you done 10, you're good. You can you can just tell us your story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I wonder how much, like I have to go to IMDb and just see how many movies he's actually been. Oh, so many. I like how his son looks exactly like it. <laughs> it's true. It's like, oh, we're just getting the reboot of yeah. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood 2.0. That's an awesome first pick. Yes. Or an awesome third pick. Strawberry Alice. Yeah. Oh, this is a great name, too. I love it. The Wild West names. Mm-hmm. And like the reason. Because she's redheaded. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 yeah. yeah. Skinny at the, in the general store, yeah. the bartender is real skinny. <laughs> Although, little Bill, come on. Yeah. Well, that's the one of the opposite things. Yeah. They do the opposite ones, too. That's when they're getting real clever. <laughs> you know what? That guy has really black hair. Let's call him Blondie. Yeah. That's. Funny, Jethro. (laughs) (laughs) Pass the moonshine. (laughs) Oh, I love it. One of the best lines in Unforgiven is when little Bill's down there shot in the gut. Yeah. And he says, I don't deserve this. Mm -hmm. And Clint Eastwood goes, it's got nothing to do with deserve. (laughs) That's uh, because you get lines like that. Yeah. And it, we tend to think of it backwards, especially because we're doing this little fun thought experiment. But the reason we like Red Dead is because they were pulling from Unforgiven. And so much other stuff, too. Yeah. Like every Western thing. Yeah. But like, oh, they were like, Unforgiven set the bar. We're going to steal a whole bunch of notes yeah. from this. Yep. And then just to bring it up again, because well, we're on to second picks. But I am bringing up something again because I realized 
as much as I've talked about it, I haven't actually picked from it. And I still won't, but we're going to talk about it again. <laughs> but for second picks, we're talking about the movie Maverick. Yeah. This time we're talking Jodie Foster. Maverick? Yeah. The movie. The airplane movie? <laughs> no, that's Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. This is the, the gambling on a riverboat with Mel Gibson, James Garner, and Jodie ah, Foster Maverick. Ah, that Maverick. Based on the previous Maverick TV yeah, show. which we talked about. We've talked about that, yeah. I know, and I hadn't even known the TV show was a thing, so I got to learn yeah. something. I forgot that Jodie Foster is a sporting gal in that. She is, yes. Yeah. And also, like, leading to what I was talking about earlier uh, in the intro is that... To make her a more fleshed out, fun character, mm-hmm. they have to make her part of the bad guy team with, you know, air quotes, bad guys, because uh-huh. it's Mel Gibson and James Garner. You're like, oh, we're rooting for them. Fun. But in order for her to have the same agency, they got to like, oh, she can't just be a proper lady. Mm-hmm. So what makes her bad? And the things that make her bad are actually awesome. She mm-hmm. can play cards. Yeah. She can run a con. Uh-huh. She can commit to a bit because mm-hmm. she's willing to get married to see through this plans that she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's willing to do revenge is cold because she, mm-hmm. you know, waits it out. And she's scrappy. She can fight and jump overboard on a on a steamboat, mm-hmm. tussle, mm-hmm. wrestle, mm-hmm. tickle, sass, all, all the Western <laughs> qualities that you need to survive as a, a hard dove, a hardened dove, I guess. A hardened dove. Yeah. So, and just Jodie Foster is awesome. And yeah. what, what's funny is I've seen Maverick now twice now since we've started Build a Posse, just because I keep thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch it. Great time every time. But Jodie Foster, the more I think about it, is one of my like top three leading ladies. Yeah. All, all time. Oh, yeah. Just, she crushes it. Uh, this and Contact, Contact is yeah. all time for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the only reason Panic Room by Fincher is tolerable. Yeah. She did La Femme Nikita, the reboot of that, yeah. where she she was the first, she did it before Mila Jovovich. She did it before Angelina Jolie. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you just want a, a strong female that really is going to go on a warpath? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I did that first. Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. You know that all these characters are so different. That's it. It's in. She seems okay for having been a child actor too. And then she did com- uh, comedic roles outside of all that. Yeah, we're just talking about her like like acclaimed. Yeah. Stuff. Hmm. So number two, I guess I should have put it one to do proper respect, but uh, <laughs> Jodie Foster, shout out to you. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. And her well, name, sorry, her character name is awesome. Speaking of Austin Western names, she's a Annabelle Bransford. Annabelle Bransford. <laughs> Annabelle, what are you doing? No, Annabelle, put my money down. That's a perfect second back. And shout out Jodie Foster for being great. I wonder if people like stay away from that because of that crazy guy. Mel Gibson? No, no, Jodie Foster, <laughs> talking about Jodie Foster too, being great too much because of that crazy guy who went and... Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The actual crazy Jody guy. Foster will get... I'll, she'll pay attention to me. Yeah, we're not going to say... Just look it up, everybody. Wait, maybe that means I'm sliding down a slope. Uh-oh. Be careful, Kevin. Careful. We got to we gotta, <laughs> we gotta have healthy boundaries for my Jodie Foster love. I think I'm okay right now, but let's check in again like next Nerd Alerts or something. <laughs> Oh, man. it's a good second pick. All right. My second pick is a real-life human. Yes. Who has been blown, blown up to a point that there's been fact and fiction is all muddled up. I love it, but hopefully not actually blown up. Yeah. There's so much. There, So many of these tropes seem to come from this story. And the best part is that there's two AKAs here. <laughs> Aliases. Oh, yes. 
Born Bell Siddons, a.k.a. Madame Vestal, a.k.a. Lorraine Montverde. Ooh. Uh, born in 1842, abouts. Madame Vestal? Yeah, Madame Vestal. Okay, in 1942. 18, about, 1842, yeah. of course. Yeah, 1942. <laughs> she was late to the game, but she was not. So I'm just going to go through some points here because this is an interesting person in history. Please. Could have easily been my number one because just is so interesting and there's so much... Uh, there's even like a there was like some kind of stage play, uh, like a minor off Broadway stage play done about her because it's so interesting. Yes. Okay. Belson was born in Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, raised at Avalon, her family's hemp plantation mm-hmm. in Missouri's Little Dixie. She grew up in the heyday of the antebellum South. Antebellum. She was extremely beautiful, and every man found her desirable. Every young man in Bachelor entertained fantasies of winning her hand. But of course. Um, she was a sweet peach. Uh, when the Civil War started, her carefree days were brought to an end because <laughs> her family ran a plantation, and they were in Missouri, which was a, one of those border states. Yes. They had to pick a side, mm-hmm. but the they picked the South because they were plantation owners, but the Union came into Missouri real quick. Yes. So this is when she started getting a little on the, going from the proper Southern well-educated lady to becoming a Confederate spy. Ooh. And the way she obtained information was through her womanly wiles. Womanly wiles. They work every time. She'd um, find these officers, uh, these Union officers, and get them a little tipsy and bat her eyelashes and get all kinds of information out of them. During wartime. That's crazy. Now, unfortunately for Belle, the Union had a spy of their own in her spy network. A man by the name of James Butler Hickok, later known as Wild Bill. Bill Hickok. I knew that mm-hmm. last name. Yeah. Nice. She was tried and sent to prison in St. Louis, but her family connections earned Bell an early parole. She only did four months. And in Pennant, she uh, uh, was working uh, as a nurse for the Union forces. Wait, she only served four months for being a spy? Was yes. the charge? Yes. Interesting. Because okay. of her family connections. Yeah, okay. She should have been hanged. But because of her family uh-huh. connections. She just did four months, and then <laughs> and then as her penance for it, she yes. was a nurse okay. uh, for the union. So she learned all kinds of, like, she knows how to, like, fix people up, too. That's a turn good, yeah. yeah. She eventually uh, met a man and moved to Houston, Texas, but her husband died of cholera. Uh, so, <laughs> so then she was like, well, what do I do now? Well, she decided to go off to Kansas, purchased a bolt of velvet fabric and some costume jewelry, made a fancy dress and reinvented herself as Madame Vestal, where she took up residence in Wichita City Saloon, dealing pharaoh and spinning the roulette wheel. I love it. That's great. That's what I'm saying, though. You can just make it up and be like, I'm this person now. Right. All because of a dress. Yes. Now, in 1874... She had made enough money in the saloon that she adopted a new persona. Yes. Called Lurleen Montverde. Green Mountains, okay. Or Lorraine Mont- Montverde. It depends. It's one of those. We One of them. We don't know how to spell her name. Um, <laughs> it showed up so many different spellings. She went to Cheyenne and then became a stage performer. Okay. Inviting the applause of hooting cowboys and selling her cabinet cards for 25 cents a piece. So those are like kind of... Uh, it's only fans in the olden times. I love frankly. it. Yeah. It's Cabinet like cards. It's gay yeah. photos for 25 cents a piece. That's a lot. Boudoir photos. Back then, yes. Now, she made enough money by the summer of 1876 that she purchased three wagons. Holy crap. 
convinced a dozen gamblers, dealers, and sporting girls of to course. accompany her on a grand parade to Deadwood under the flag of... Uh, they look like a uh, the traveling circus. Hell yeah. I wonder, uh, that probably means they show up in the show, Deadwood. Interesting. This is possible. Yeah. They were publicized far and wide. Her caravan went to Deadwood and then set up a giant tent known as a gambling palace under canvas. Hell yeah. Uh, she advertised the most honest games in town, and it was called Mount Verde's Palace, and it attracted many gamblers and uh, gentlemen uh, eager to meet her sporting girls. What and, kind of gentlemen? Doesn't and sound. what's funny here is I love this. It said, eager to catch a glimpse of Belle's ample cleavage. <laughs> her mom Verde, yeah, we know. <laughs> And to take their turn at her supposedly unrigged table. Supposedly. Yes. Yeah. So she could have even been a choice in our gambler thing, but I'm picking her because she was a, a madam and had her girls. So she had the whole shebang going on. She had tables and girls yeah. and saloons. I and, love it. And I mean, I'm seeing like where they got the idea for Miss Kitty from Gunsmoke and even the, the yeah. Jodie Foster character and for on sure. and on and on. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, she kind of went down in history as the Queen of Deadwood. I love it. Yeah. And that means she was smart enough to hire cute girls because if the guys didn't realize they were getting swindled, that yep. means that she had some really cute crew members. Yep. <laughs> so Belle Sidden, a.k.a. Madame Vestal, a.k.a. either... Lorraine or or Lurleen Malverde. <laughs> it depend on who the how what the writer was writing down and the accent. Oh yeah, yeah that's Lorraine. Yeah. You know, you see Lorraine. Yeah, Malverde. She thinks she's French. So, uh, yeah, Bell Siddons went from Confederate spy to Deadwood uh, running a uh, running the the show, running runs. a big tent gambling yeah. ring. That's amazing. I had to look up Vestal because that was, but like, I know that word, but I can't think yeah. of what that word Vestal is. Vestal Virgin? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Madam Virgin. I love it. I know. It's she, great. It's like well, Madonna, she the was, pop star of Wild be, West. Because she grew up on the plantation, she was hi highly educated. So that was on purpose. That's true. That's she would have known a, about the Greek classics and all that stuff. That's a fancy, that's a fluent word and nobody else would have known. Yeah. So that's like the so, funny, like, con man name. She was just using... You'd like to say, like, oh, she was just using her womanly wiles, but she was smart. Yes. And it was obvious that she was saving up the money and gathering people under her flag and everything. I get it. Interesting character. <laughs> and uh, ties in for all those tropes. Mm -hmm. I love it. And there's so many stories attributed to her that, you know, half of them are, like, attributed to. Yes. But no one really knows for sure. <laughs> Lurleen, Lurle what's her name? Yeah. Yeah. Madam Lorraine. I mean, Madam Lorraine. I mean, Lorraine Green Mountains. Mm -hmm. God, she had so many names. That is an excellent second pick. I'm curious to see what your first pick is, though. Mm -hmm. It's always nice when we get real world people in there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Lottie Deno's in my crew. Mm -hmm. uh, but for my first pick, for my official soil dove, I did go with a movie, and this is sort of just when I think westerns, this is in the. I think of the Western movies on my bookshelf, and this goes in it, you know? Oh. It's slotted in my mental bookshelf of, oh, oh yeah, that movie. Mental bookshelf. Yeah, like, 
I like these things, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody does it. I'm saying it out loud like it's a thing, but I kind of do that. I'm, now I'm thinking of what my mental book, my mental library looks like. Yeah, see? Is it like the Hogwarts library? It could. Is it like just a public library? Is it like a school library? It's like a TARDIS. It should be bigger on the inside. Well, yeah, for sure. You know, if it is your brain size, you can only fit, you know, mm-hmm. two actual books in there. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but do actual library. I, I like Hogwarts big, library. That's fun. I do have a big head. Uh, but one of the westerns I really, really do love is called Once Upon a Time in the West, ah. which is uh, one of the classic Sergio Leone westerns mm-hmm. uh, with the soundtrack by Ennio Morricone. Yes. So that's the reason I got into it, because I w- did a whole f- phase of spaghetti western music. Mm-hmm, like I was mm-hmm. like, this is amazing, yes. driving around just looking like a weirdo. <laughs> Um, but I ended up watching all these movies. Um, and Once Upon a Time in the West, I got two in reverse because I realized it was the first in the trilogy, technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, first is Once Upon a Time in the West. Second is Duck, You Sucker. And third is Once <laughs> Upon a Time in America. Uh, they have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. It's a trilogy because apparently uh, Leone said they were. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a trilogy. There's three <laughs> movies that go together. Uh, I also love Once Upon a Time in America is probably one of my favorite movies, Full Stop. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I went back to Once Upon a Time in the West, and it's just a fabulous Western. Mm-hmm. And there's a soiled dove in here, and her name is simply Jill. Uh, and Jill is played by Claudia Cardinal. Mm-hmm. And she Claudia is, Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, plays the young widow with a past, is how mm-hmm. she's billed on the, mm-hmm. would, would have been billed on the poster. Uh, but she's playing opposite Henry Fonda as the oh. villain, for, in a rare villain role, mm-hmm. of Frank. Jason Robards as the bandit Cheyenne, and Charles Bronson as the man with no name seeking revenge. Yes. Yeah. So old, old style Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a little silly because it has the spaghettiness. It is a Leone yeah, movie. Yeah. It's oh, later. It's that's later. Great, though. Yeah. And it's later career for him. So he actually wanted to not do a Western at this mm-hmm. point in his career. And he wanted to do this story as something else. But Paramount was like, hey, we have Henry Fonda and a bunch of money. Can we just kind of make it a Western? And he was like, fine. So he mm. made it a Western. But that just means he just was playing in the world that he knew. He's like, okay, yeah, I know yeah. what Western parts to add. Here we right, go. Right. But it was a story he wanted to tell. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a simple setup. It's kind of like your Unforgivens. It's kind of like your Tombstones. It's really just people trying to make claims in the West and mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. back crossing of relationships. But Jill is interesting because she comes in as kind of like uh, Madame Vesta would be coming into town as this new woman who's mm-hmm. due something. Mm-hmm. Jill is due a piece of property because her husband was murdered and she's the sole heir of it. So mm. she goes to claim and by making this claim, she gets a bunch of property in this town called Sweetwater. And it would essentially set her up to be the that sort of type. Mm-hmm. Kitty from Gunsmoke, yeah, yeah, you know the madam, the uh-huh. the the town lady, and and it eventually gets there. But this is a little bit more like the origin story of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's her coming to town. You don't really learn her story until later on in the movie. Like mm-hmm. it really is like, oh, her husband died. How terrible for her. But she had to make do after her husband died mm-hmm. before she got to town. Mm-hmm. So that's her tragic backstory mm-hmm. that you get in pieces. But the other fun reason I wanted to bring this one up is because Once Upon a Time has, in the West has, has Charles Bronson. Yes. Who is billed as the man with no name. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, he's referred to as Harmonica <laughs> because he shows up into town with a harmonica slung around his neck and he plays it every once in a while, like just in the idle times, you know? Like plays the one or two notes. Why and, have I not seen this movie? Oh, you, Why haven't you shown me this movie? <laughs> because it's, it's, 
It's an it's a long old western. It's, oh, I don't okay. All of his movies are old, long westerns. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you have to be in the mood for it. And I won't give this away, but one fact about harmonica is the reason he's called harmonica is because when he was young, his older brother was hung, mm-hmm. and he went to save his older brother by like trying to lift him up. And the guy that hung his brother said, "Oh, you look like you're struggling real hard. Here, keep your brother entertained," and put a harmonica in his mouth and walked away. No. Oh. And his little brother did not save his older brother, but he had that harmonica in his mouth, and that's his western backstory. Wow. Yeah, as Charles Bronson, who looks like he, you know, just crawled out of a grave <laughs> on a good on a good day, just like angry and ready for vengeance. <laughs> he looks like he eats nails for breakfast. He's undead, just like oh, nothing can kill me. Let's go. <laughs> Death Wish. Yeah, I had six of them. Go watch them. <laughs> But Jill is one of the protagonists of the movie. Uh, Claudia does a great job. It is a, it seems like a basic or tired character, but that's only because it is one of the first. You know, it's not explicitly a soiled dove, mm-hmm. but it's part of the Western lore that mm-hmm. established that later, mm-hmm. where we get it in Red Dead and stuff. Yeah. So, wow. Sergio Leone, man. I'm going to have to go watch that movie. It has a harmonica in it. ASAP. I know. I, I, en- I enticed you. I've been enticed. <laughs> I didn't care until he said something about a harmonica. <laughs> oh, that's a great pick. Yeah, so Jill. Jill is my soil dove. One pick. She can pick a new name, as I'm sure she'll want to do. Ah, oh, wow. All right. My number one pick. You knew it was going to happen eventually. We were going to go to this show. <laughs> I always go to this show. At some point, we didn't have anyone work in the engine room, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was a different crew. But when I think of a soil dove, I often think of something in a show called A Companion. My number one pick is Anara Sarah from Firefly slash Serenity. <laughs> no, I'll say it with more excitement. It's an awesome pick. My number one pick is Anara Sarah from Firefly slash Serenity. Much better. Played by the wonderful Marina Baccarin. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And our Sarah is a, the companion who leases the shuttle from Captain Malcolm Reynolds and is his um, love companion, in, a, a love interest. What do you, they have that. What do you call that? Will they, won't they? The will they, won't they? Yeah. yeah. And she travels with the Serenity's crew. I really like the lore in Firefly of pretty much everything, but the lore of companions is very, very cool uh, in the fact that it's like government sanctioned. Yes. And... They're not just about the sporting part of the girls. They're also like therapists in a way, counselors. It's like if massage therapy was allowed to go further. <laughs> but also with the business entrepreneurship behind it. Too. And, and like and also some spirituality stuff in there. It's like a whole they're like a whole. I mean, I, I literally think that they have like priestesses and everything like that with them. So. Yeah, because we like they spend like one episode in her world kind of. Yeah, they have like the, they start. We don't get too much of it, but some. Yeah, they we know that the and this is mostly because the you know the show was canceled before it should have been canceled and you have to glean stuff from you really have to get into reading novels. There's novels and the comic books and and such. There you go. But thankfully the internet compiles that all for us. So <laughs> the, these girls start training at like 12. Of course. Um, and That's when Russian female spies start training. Right. <laughs> and they have years of discipline and preparation before anything about the physical act of pleasure is ever mentioned. She says control was the first lesson and the last. 
So, so, it, it, so ominous. Yeah, I know. Uh, but companions in the, the society of the Alliance are actually the social, they're social elites. Yes. So that's the reason why Mal doesn't really even like that kind of work. He looks down on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a companion on his ship just raises the cachet of his ship. It's like having a high society person. Oh, yeah. On, on a ship. And it helps him open doors for him, you know, because they're criminals, really. And it's a, yeah, it's a status yeah. symbol. Yeah. So he likes having the status symbol. So there's that whole tension between them. I just watch these shows. These shows are great. <laughs> I mean, she has a lot of the things that the character we talked about, the real life character, you know, Belle Siddons did. It's, it seems the more I got into this, the more I learned about Belle Siddons, the more I realized that. All of these characters like seem to come out of that cloth. Yes, it's uh, you know between her and uh, all these real life characters like uh, Doc Holliday's big nose Kate. His actual real <laughs> girlfriend was big actually Kate, yeah. uh, you know I forgot uh, about that. You see her in the Tombstone movie and everything she's played in there, and that was a real life character. And all these characters they didn't just come from whole cloth. There's like this long history of real life sources and inspiration for it. Absolutely. You know, she's very intelligent. She's been well-educated. She, she doesn't suffer fools lightly, but <laughs> you know, the, it, she, that's a part of the problem with Mal is like, he's kind of intimidated not only by her beauty, but that she's really smart. Yeah. It's and, really hard to fast talk her. Yeah, it's really hard to cause cur- like, sm- like smooth talking yeah, and like charisma his, your way his, faster. His fast talking and charisma, his Han Solo-ness it doesn't work at all. It doesn't work at all on her. So she's kind of got that Princess Leia thing going on there, which is kind of cool. And also, too, uh, at some point, we got a posse going on here. You just don't want some smart, pretty girl. She's, like, trained in, like, martial arts. And uh, and the, there's a whole, uh, if you are super nerdy like me and you turn on the commentaries on some of these DVDs and stuff and listen to the commentaries. Yeah, yeah. They talk about they actually took out a whole section it was filmed, but it was never. Um, maybe it'll come out one day of her training with the bow. She's oh, yeah, supposed to yeah. be like super awesome with the bow. So I mean, how cool is that? And that uh, as a courtesan, sorry, companion weapon. That's, yeah, that's wonderful. It's, I don't know why that fits, but I like it. I know it's perfect. Because usually you get the the, the garrots or the the hidden, yeah. hidden daggers. I like a nice bow. Stuff. Right, right. And then also we actually do get to see her like doing some swordplay and in, in shindig. The episode shindig. Yeah, that's the one where they. That's the one that focuses on her a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's where Kaylee gets to wear that dress and. Yeah, she has to go to her town or her home. Yeah, home business center to yeah. go like meet somebody, and mm-hmm. so shenanigans ensue. Yeah, and sword play and all that stuff. I uh, think this is a good reminder that I'm also due for a Firefly rewatch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's always something to revisit and go back to. It's so much fun. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's so shiny. Uh, but yeah, if if I'm if if Goram right, yeah, I am Goram right. <laughs> but if you're gonna tell me like, hey, pick your favorite soiled dove ever, it's Inara, and that's uh, yeah, because that is one that like of the trope that is the one of the best examples to come to mind. Yeah, it's very distilled down. Like she knows what she does; she's not ashamed of it. Actually, treats it with a lot of respect. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing about companions is they get to pick their clients, mm-hmm. so it's it's really different. Because I remember at one point, Mal's like, that guy? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Expecting, what? Oh, it's not some dude that looks just like me? Yeah. It's like, come on, Mal. 
<laughs> but and it's also the reason that that character works so well is because it's the it I like it. It's the Western trope of breaking the rules to give the character, a female character specifically, some agency and let her kick butt, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny because like Yes, there's all these backstory traits that allow for her to kick butt, but it's also like, oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. She's cool. <laughs> she killed two men that did her wrong? Okay. Yeah, and as a, I know Joss Whedon has had a little bit of a rocky time with some of this stuff, but he's really good at writing strong female characters who aren't Mary Sue's. It's true. He was always really good at it. So we can call it like we see it. <laughs> Maybe he's horrible to work with, but whatever. <laughs> He still writes a good female That's character. It. And Firefly stands the test as a little time capsule of a one-season, one-movie thing? It does. So those are our picks for Soil Dove. So who do we got in our posses? You want to go first or do you want me to go well, first? I can go first. I got it right in front of me. And then ha- roll it out. Uh, so for my posse, and I think we got one more pick. I think we're, uh, our next pick is the lawman, yeah. which is the head of the posse, Yeah, really. Hap. <laughs> so for my gunslinger, I have... Clint Eastwood himself as the man with no name from the Dollar series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for my tracker, I have Nehru, the awesome Native American from Prey. That's just Emmy nominated. Let's get it. Yes. For my doctor, from Dr. Quinn, not Dr. Quinn, <laughs> Dr. Quinn's adopted daughter, Colleen Cooper, who eventually becomes a doctor too because she's got that feisty Western, <laughs> you know, Dr. Quinn's great, but she grew up in Boston. Come on. <laughs> You ain't no real Western doctor. Yeah. That was the entire premise of the show. That you was still didn't t- learn your lesson, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> For my gambler, I picked Brady Hawks, Kenny Rogers, the gambler himself. Oh, man, he knows when to hold him. Uh, for my soldier, I picked... Awesome. Look, I got two guys from Unforgiven. I picked Sergeant Major John Rollins Morgan Freeman from Glory. Yeah. Uh, for my preacher to hang around with Kenny Rogers, I got Willie Nelson as Reverend Julian Shea. The red-headed stranger. From the red-headed stranger. And finally, I have Inara Sarah from Firefly slash Serenity as my soil dove. Yeah, yeah. I love it. That's a good posse. It is. It's a fun posse. Uh, for me, mine's a little weird, but I like it. Yours stuff is always weird. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> that I, is true, but uh, and that, I don't mean that in a bad way either. Oh, I know it's. I mean that in like a Wes Anderson way, <laughs> weird and different. Let's go uh, for my gunslinger. It's John Wick because there are no rules. Uh, but if you've seen John Wick four, he does ride a horse and shoot a gun in the desert. Mm. Cowboy. Yep. Uh, tracker. I got Henry Standing Bear, great Indian mm. name for uh, that's Lou Diamond Phillips in Longmire. Mm. For my doctor, I got Doc Holliday himself. Didn't do the real world version because I love Val Kilmer a lot. Yep. Uh, that's from Tombstone. I did do real world for my gambler, and that was Lottie Deno. Yeah, Lottie Denaro. <laughs> that was her whole reason for nickname because she earned that nickname by getting a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I think she's the, the financier of our entire operation. I wonder if she ever ran into old Bill Siddons at it's, some point. From the places you were reading off, they, I mean, it definitely sounds like there were common trails they might have crossed. Yeah, so interesting. We'll have to look it up. I'll have to get that book I was talking about, yeah. about all those old Western ladies and yeah. see if maybe they do. For my soldier, I got Teddy Roosevelt from <laughs> Night at the Museum, played by Robin Williams. <laughs> Who comes with the tablet, and there are some janky rules in there, just for, you know, for, for shenanigans. you got to have conflict to make it make it interesting. I love it. My preacher is Clancy Brown as Brother Crow from mm. Carnival. The slight 
uh, evil pick that who knows what'll happen. Mm-hmm. But then my soiled dove is Jill from Once Upon a Time in the West. She's old school. She's Leone old school, and so she will brook no gruff. Yeah, I really like your, your posse because it's like the Criterion series deep cut one. <laughs> yeah, my my mine's always mine's kind of surface level pop culture person one. You're like you're sitting over the yours could be on like you know Turner Classic or something. Yeah, and they're definitely probably on their last mission. And I called them in. And they're like, we hate you, and I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, but it really is just one last job. I swear, nothing will go wrong. Everything goes wrong. Of course. So those are our posses. Yeah. We want to know who your picks are for your posse. Yeah. Uh, you can let us know on all our social medias at Assuming Pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also send us a Gmail, assumingpositions at gmail.com. When we get late into these things, I always say, Mikey, how do you want to format it? And we get late into these things. And Mikey's like, I've done every Western trope already. Do you have one in mind, or am I still going to be forced to do it? No, no, you're going to be forced to do it. Okay. Western trip. Have you ever, email. have you done a brand yet? Not a brand. Yeah. But I don't want people to brand themselves. Oh. I might be willing to get a brand. <laughs> if your opinion is hot enough to <laughs> scald my skin, <laughs> that's the, the, perfect. You gave it to me. It was an alley-oop, and I think I switched. <laughs> yes. Give me your hot take, and if your hot take is hot enough to brand my skin. <laughs> That's how it'll be decided. Love it. If you guys like what we do here, because we're having plenty of fun, we hope you're having fun. If you like the fun we're having, you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash assuming pod. Yes. And we'll use it to buy coffee. <laughs> or Big Red. I have a Big Red here. Hey. <laughs> coffee is superior. It is coffee is superior. We want to thank you, Positron, so much for listening. We love you guys so much. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, not Scott Productions for our equipment, and Jazzar for our music. We all hope you have a great rest of your week down the trail. Willie, y'all get along good now. And we'll see you next month for another Build the Boss. We'll see you at the next roundup. Diabetes. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, hey. <laughs> hey Gotta uh, stop laughing first. We can't talk about Paul Rubens I if know, I'm giggling in the I background. Know. Okay, go. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. All right, PPW.